93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Very pleased to welcome to the Eagle Studios, uh, the publisher of Como Buzz, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com. That's Mike Murphy. Mike, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Good morning. We're actually going to do two shows. We're going to have you on again next week uh, for part two, because there's so many things that we need to talk about. I have not had you on in several weeks, and there's just there's just lots of things for us to talk about. And so I'm going to, um, uh, we're going to cover a lot of things. And so if you tune in next uh, Saturday or Sunday and you hear the same voices, uh, it's a new show. So please uh, be sure to uh, keep listening. But we're going to cover a lot of things uh, from... Uh, uh, short-term rentals to lowering property taxes for seniors to the way that the county commission is spelling uh, spending the American Rescue Plan dollars. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Chuck Basie's attorney fees from his lawsuit against the school district. Uh, we'll talk about the departure of Jeff Jones, who uh, stepped down last week as Columbia's police chief. Uh, lots of things. And then I'm going to, um, for next week's show, I think this is going to be kind of fun, I'm going to ask Mike to sort of rate each of our local governmental entities uh, on their level of transparency, their effectiveness, their accountability, and their dysfunction. And so uh, be sure to tune in next weekend for that, because I think you'll you'll find that to be very interesting. Um, one of the, the hot topics uh, uh, with the council, city council right now is this idea of short-term rentals. Do you mind sort of just framing the conversation? This is about people who are interested in renting out part of their home or an accessory structure on their property uh, to people who would maybe book a vacation or a visit through VRBO or Airbnb. Uh, kind of frame the conversation, Mike. What, what, what is that issue here? Well, it's, it's really right, right now it's all about land use. So the, the city, well, the city has somewhere around probably 500 uh, short-term rentals about there's about 400 of them that are under the airbnb uh moniker then in in on that platform the rest are just uh, out there on their own that are actually operating illegally because there's no they have no uh, approved land use ordinance for them um there's uh they they have no regulation they're not part they're not paying the lodging tax that the hotels pay. And the city would like to rectify all that. It's not like they set out, though, to, like, they couldn't wait to regulate these people and get the money. It's more like uh, there's been some complaints come up. Uh, they're, they're popping up, and Investor One owns, owned also, and we'll talk about that in a second, but they're popping up in residential uh, uh, neighborhoods. So what really the issue is, uh, is investor-owned homes. That means using the city's parlance in this ordinance is uh, people are buying homes and turning them into Airbnbs in residential neighborhoods. And the issue there is, so they operate as a commercial entity. There's 
uh, by sort of like by definition, there's multiple people coming and going during the week. They're different people. There's different cars parking there. Uh, then they might have a party. Uh, they may not, but it's it, it functions as a commercial business in a R1 a residentially zoned neighborhood, and that's not allowed. And there's people. Uh, not a lot, so you can't overstate this because people want to tell you this is a big solution. Uh, with it really isn't much of a problem, <laughs> but there is uh, uh, there are complaints, and there's been some prominent complaints, and the city has no nothing in place to deal with them really. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, they regulate uh, long-term rental houses. Actually, every business in the city is regulated in some way, shape, yeah. or form, every yeah. home business. And these Airbnbs, these they're short-term rentals, they call them, are, uh, are are not regulated at all. This was recognized in 2018, and and the, the city began working on it in 2018. They brought an ordinance forward in, like, I think 20 uh, that was rejected and because it's pretty controversial. And uh, uh, now they're back to this point again where they're... They're, they've turned it so, by virtue of the fact that it's at the Planning and Zoning Commission, they're studying the land use portion of it. So, uh, ordinance to uh, levy the tax, the 4%, it's actually 5% lodging tax, the regulations, the inspections, that'll all come from city staff down the road. What's going on right now is deciding what type of business will be allowed to operate in residential neighborhoods and what it'll look like. Yeah. So I remember a few years ago, this issue kind of raised its ugly head. There was a home uh, back in the grasslands that was close to uh, Memorial Stadium, uh, Faroe Field, um, that, you know, I think had five or six bedrooms and they'd rent it out. And, and uh, so you'd have, of course, five or six cars or five or six different couples staying in this house. And there, um, and then that evening after the football game they'd have their all their kids and their friends show up for a party and it really was very disruptive to the neighborhood and and uh and and i remember the hotelers at at the time that i was served as an ex-official member on the convention and visitors bureau board i remember that the hotels were kind of upset about the fact that these airbnbs and vrbos were not collecting the same hotel tax that they were being forced to, to collect correct and so they were looking for more of a level playing field um and so is it is it anything more than it just being a nuisance uh, in some neighborhoods or a safety concern? You know, I think a lot of people were renting out their basements that had not been inspected. Uh, they were renting out uh, what buildings that used to be garages that had been converted to living quarters. Uh, and there were some life safety issues uh, in those buildings. What do you think is what's a central issue? I mean, what why does this have to be dealt with? The, the one the there's two issues. Uh, the first issue is. All of what you mentioned, uh, parking, uh, parties, garbage, uh, p- perhaps crime. Uh, and of course, you know, the police can be involved, but no local owner to deal with. The people there are gone the next day. Yeah. So there's the nuisance part of it. Then the second part of it is uh, the, the concept of uh, affordable housing and, and having um, uh, rental stock available. Something like... Fifty-two percent of Columbia residents rent. Yeah, and protect. That's a kind of a shocking number yeah, when you think I, about I, it. I know, I know. And, and protecting the availability and affordability of rentals is, from the city's perspective, is key to maintaining population and not population oh. loss. If there's that, if, that, that if, to me, that 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 really is half baked. 
Well, if there's no rentals, where are people going to live? I know, but is it that's not what's threatening rentals is is the VRBOs. I mean, do you? Well, every I mean, time you buy one, let's there's four hundred yeah, of them. So yeah. If, well, here where we're going to is investors. Yeah. They, there's we in a second here. There's two classes of uh, Airbnb owners. They're only going after the investor owners, but not owner occupied. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, Interesting. Yeah. And, and How do they distinguish the difference? If you live there or not. All right. So, so, so they have a way of knowing that. Sure. Okay. So if you live in your primary residence, the place where you live is an Airbnb, which means you are you are renting out a room or a suite or an upstairs. They're going to bother you little. You'll you'll have to get a license, pay the tax, probably get an inspection, but they're not trying to put you out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some proposed limits on how many days you can rent out the unit that's under discussion but they're not that's their traditional use of airbnb and the city as it stands today the people in this decision making capacities they're they're good with that they actually want to encourage that they can argue that that helps ownership gives you some extra money helps you meet your mortgage or your home ownership expenses now if you're not the owner and living in the unit as a primary residence then they're considering you an investor now they might change that term and it brings in a few more things than it than it just implies but for the sake of argument here, you're either an owner living there or you're an investor. That's where they're cracking down. They're basically, if you buy a house and turn it into an Airbnb, the Planning Zoning Commission would like to see those restricted to commercial zones only, to mm-hmm. not have those in uh, uh, residential zone properties. So the people that, and I think it's about like half from what I understand, they have a hard time coming up with good good metrics on these. But so many, 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 this is a, the misthought in all this. Many, many, many Airbnb owners and operators who are living in their house and renting out part of their house, which was the original concept, uh, they're going to be brought in under the umbrella of getting licensed and getting inspected and paying that tax, which by the way, I think Airbnb charges the tax already, which yeah. is a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of disruption for them. The people though who have, uh, the investor types who have purchased, who come in and purchase a house for the sake of turning it into an Airbnb, this, the Planning and Zoning Commission is recommending, is considering them to be a commercial enterprise and it would be a commercial business operating in a residential district yeah. and, and not allowed. Two personal anecdotes for me. Uh, I, uh, my wife and I had a condo down at the Lake of the Ozarks for, for over 20 years. Uh, when my kids were in high school playing sports, it was hard for us to get down there on weekends. We, we turned it into a VRBO. The Camden County Assessor, or the Miller County Assessor, I can't remember what county we were in, but, uh, got wise to it. They found us on VRBO mm-hmm. and they started charging us a commercial rate of property tax. And so, uh, they did that 10 years ago. And so, uh, so, you know, I think that that probably, in some respects, if you are using your property for commercial businesses, you probably should be paying a commercial property rate. Mm-hmm. But as as the owner of rentals in Columbia, I'll tell you the thing that has made me increase the price of my rentals. And I have just recently uh, increased the monthly cost of the rent that I charge by $150 monthly. And it is only because of the property taxes that were being charged here in Boone County. And we've had two pretty draconian, significant increases in property taxes in the last year. And one of the things you have to remember is that 86% of all property taxes collected in Columbia and Boone County goes to our school district, which is underperforming uh, by almost every measure. And so 
that's the reason that it's getting harder and harder to rent property and why it's more and more expensive to rent property is is because of the dramatic increases that property owners are paying in property taxes. And of course, you have to pass that on to your renters. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I still think the, the rental issue is a little half-baked. I, I think it ought to be about life safety. I think it ought to be about collecting commercial taxes on commercial activity, you know, but uh, it, that's, it's an interesting story. And I don't suppose it's going to go away because I know they've been talking about it since 2018, as you said. So it's, you know, we're, we're five years into it. I think that um, the issue, if, if they were here to discuss it, this is what they would tell you. And I've been sitting through all of their meetings is I don't think they're I think they would acknowledge everything you just said. Assessments are up and everybody's housing costs have, have gone up. Mm-hmm. All they're saying is they need guiding principles. And here's what they're up against. The, the investors who have bought these are um, knocking on their door, of course, hard. And on city council members, hard. And this is far from over because it's totally becoming a political issue. Mm. And they're saying, hold on here. Uh, number one, there's you know property owners' rights, which is, is one thing. But then number two... Columbia really wants it to be a tourist destination. It, it's working hard. It has an entire convention and visitors bureau dedicated to helping it become a tourist uh, destination. Mm-hmm. It wants to have youth softball tournaments. It wants to have all these youth sports. Yeah, uh, it's an SEC school. It's 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 got a lot of people who want to come here and enjoy uh, the benefits of what we have. And our economy very much is dependent on that. You suck out two two hundred. Well, whether you take them out or not. Uh, uh, People want to stay in an Airbnb rather than a hotel. It's a much better experience, right? You're coming for a football game weekend. You'd, you'd be really much happier to stay. Heck, you'd really be happy if you got one of the grasslands, right? Or yeah, Southwest. absolutely, yeah. So there's there's a huge uh, uh, a political uh, sense of uh, you could take that side. And there are members of the council who are siding with that side of things, a more economic development money mm-hmm. side of yeah. things. Yeah. So you're, the guiding you so the guiding principles of the decision makers, let's call it in this case right now, the um, planning and zoning commission, they're simply saying that our, what we've been tasked with here is the availability of housing and the cost of housing. And our entire perspective here is about protecting housing in Columbia, and we're not much interested in the other argument. It's yeah. not in our purview. Yeah. That'll go to council, and they'll argue that out th- up with there. So really what they're just saying is they're not implying that this is the wherewithal end all of what's causing high rental prices. Uh, they're saying it contributes to it, and it only makes sense that as you pull units off the market, it's going to have some contributing yeah. factor. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, almost in every business there are bad actors and we have bad landlords. I, I wrote a column a few years ago, got me into a lot of trouble, uh, referring to some of Columbia's landlords as uh, slumlord millionaires. And, and, yeah. uh, it really, you know, there, there are some things that, um, when the bad actors are at their worst, it kind of drags everybody into the muck, and we all pay the penalty. And unfortunately, I think that's exactly the nature of this argument. There's very, there's not a lot of bad actors, and in fact, there's many, many good actors mm-hmm. who are, have, are well settled in. They're not getting any complaints from their neighbors. They're currently, uh, they're, they're, they're being good neighbors. They're running their businesses there. 
And now they're being threatened to have to change their business model simply as the city finally catches up to adopting the regulatory structure they need to take mm-hmm, care of these things. Mm-hmm. That's Mike Murphy. He's the publisher of Como Buzz, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com. We'll continue our conversation. Lots of stuff for us to uh, get involved with. And as we're talking about property taxes, let's talk about this idea passed by the legislature to freeze property taxes in Columbia and Boone County across the state for seniors. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to 939 The And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with Mike Murphy, the publisher of Como Buzz. Uh, that's C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com. And uh, it's, I think it is probably the highest standard for local journalism that uh, you can find in Columbia these days. And uh, it's good writing. It's good reporting. Uh, unless you're being reported about, then you really don't like it so much. But uh, it, it is uh, it has filled a tremendous void in our community where the fourth estate used to be the watchdog uh we no longer have that in columbia except for como buzz and so uh i would encourage you to check it out subscribe uh mike what's the cost to subscribe these days 99.99 for the whole year yep 99.99 for a month okay 9.99 for a month cancel any time but nobody ever cancels okay hey i'm telling you the truth if yeah people check it out i think they like what i'm doing yeah very good well it is it's it's a great source i uh check it a few times a week and and uh i really enjoy it so um I was actually happy to hear that Cherie Tolson Rice has decided that she is going to carry the cross uh, for um, this petition drive uh, in Boone County that would get this uh, notion of freezing property tax rate increases for people above the age of 60. 65. I 65. Think. Okay. Um, and I think that, you know, when you, uh, you know, as the closer I get to, to 65, the more I think about this, but you know, when you start to look at your, your sources of income and you are, you begin living on what you would call a fixed income that you have, you could really have very little impact, especially in turbulent financial markets, uh, on the amount of money that you bring in a month, it, um, you know, every penny counts for a lot of people, uh, in this community. And so, uh, I was, you know, we we're just talking in the last segment about the crazy increases in property taxes. And, and, you know, I, I saw my mortgage company jumped up my mortgage this year, uh, by a stunning amount. And I first blamed the insurance company for raising my premium. But then when I did some research and called the mortgage company, they said, Oh, no, no. Uh, not only are we making up for last year's property inc- tax increase, we're also accounting for this year's property tax increase. And so, you know, we're we're being hit from all sides. And so Sheree Tolson Rice has agreed to lead the petition drive. It's not really that high of a hurdle. Is that correct, Mike? Right. Tell, tell us, get, frame that issue for us. So um, I, I'm not sure whether to go. I, I worry that the the bill itself is flawed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter at this point. Uh, the, the, criticism, the governor signed it, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, here's why it matters is we're probably going to have an election on it. Let me just circle back around to that. And when we do have an election, the people who don't want to see it passed, which include, I think, will be all three of our county commissioners. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, and they will argue, uh, you know, the, the, the hardship from, from losing whatever amount of tax dollars that is, which is another thing that we should talk about briefly. But, um, uh, 
unfortunately, though, so you're going to take a class of payers, uh, which are senior citizens, and if you uh, freeze and cap the amount they're going to pay, then somebody else is going to pay it. That's the other taxpayers. Yeah. So that's, a, I think, a little bit of a flaw. Like a, It could be a bit of an overreach, or at least that's how it'll get sold as a bad bill. And the other thing is, is if there's ever a, a ballot issue again to raise uh, property tax rates, the senior citizens who are exempt from, now exempt from increases, would have no skin in that game. They would vote, they could vote yes without ever, you know, with no consequence. They're not going to pay it. Right. That seems to me like less than great public policy, but it doesn't matter. The legislature passed it and then uh, Governor Parsons signed it into law. And now how it comes is, so what it does is it, it freezes, if you're, if you qualify, which basis, basically if you're a senior citizen, uh, in some uh, in, are eligible to collect uh, retirement benefits. And and I've seen this, I don't think this is all perfectly clear. I've seen it 62 and 65. But um, then uh, you, you qualify, and what it is is whatever your tax property tax bill went up over the prior year, you would pay that, but then you would get a tax credit in that amount back. Hmm. So to implement that, though, there's two ways for that to be implemented. Your county commission can do it by ordinance, or or if they won't, uh, if the citizens the citizens can petition to get it on a ballot, and then it goes to an election. Uh, I think it's uh, it's some percentage. I think it's five percent of the voters in the last governor's election. Don't hold me to that, but it comes out to around forty six hundred votes, which mm-hmm. I do or forty six hundred signatures on a petition, which I don't think is a a, a tall order. Nope. And uh, uh, the the state representative from District Forty Four, I guess that is out there, Hallsville, and the entire eastern side of Boone County. That's Sheree Tolson Rice. Yep. Yeah. So she's uh, announced or said that she will that she suspects strongly or doubts very much that the Boone County commissioners will enact this as an ordinance, and they've pretty much said as much. Yeah. So she's going. Well, they to, haven't said it, but they have danced around the issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In major ways. Yeah. So she's going to lead the effort yeah. to get those signatures, get it on the ballot, and it'll go to the uh, it'll go to the voters well, uh, at some future election. Don't we live in a society where uh, we oftentimes give deference to seniors? Uh, I mean, look, McDonald's has the senior Coke, uh, you know, the senior coffee. Um, you know, some of these folks have have earned the right to get a little bit of a break just because of, of the fact that they have paid all along. You know, in some re- in some respects, it sort of right sizes uh, prop the way you know because eighty six percent of our taxes, property taxes, and personal property taxes in Boone County go to our school district, and most of these people that are sixty two and and above don't have kids in, in the system. They've already paid their way, and so now it's time for them to maybe get a little bit of a of a break. That's one way of looking at it. But, you know, the other thing that you should look at, and Mike, I hope you do a story on this sometime. I'd love for you to show the historical trend of revenues for and budgets, annual budgets, for the city of Columbia, the Columbia Public Schools, and Boone County. I mean, Boone County, for example, and, and the city of Columbia is the same way, and consequently, the school district's the same way. They have had windfall after windfall after windfall of dollars floating into the market. Now, the city and the county are collecting uh, taxes on marijuana sales for the first time. And by all reports, that's very lucrative in Columbia and Boone County. Uh, they have also received an abundance of one-time American Rescue Plan dollars, which is is good. They're also getting the use tax, which is a collection on on um, on. Um, 
uh, internet sales. And mm-hmm. so they have really received several windfalls and they are dealing with more money than they have ever had. And, and I think it would be good to show what, what has the school district, the city of Columbia and the county of Boone spent year over year over the last 30 years? Because I think people would be shocked to see how much money, more money we're giving our public entities. Yeah, I think they would too. Also, sales tax revenues have been absolutely robust. For, yeah. So, Crazy robust. So the uh, county and the school and the city have all built, uh, I don't want to say all time records, but I think it would be all safe to say that, uh, fund balances. They, mm-hmm. are, they are, they are all very, very, very flush with money to the point where, um, they have to figure out how to start spending down some of that money. Yeah. So, you know, that's nobody talks about the fund balances, Mike. I'm trying to. It's because it's so it's hard. Complicated. To, it's complicated. It's very difficult to explain. First of all, it's very difficult to understand. And then once you do to, to get it in a form that you can explain, it also is always a moving target. And there's not really anybody who really wants to help you. Yeah. So I've I have uh, in the city this has come up quite a bit because they're having all these rate increases for electricity or for utilities in general and. uh uh, I'm, I've been, and, and people object to it over that, and I've got a sense for it, and I can talk about it. I'm trying to figure out how to get that into a story that people would understand and as a, as a point of reference, because it comes up a lot. You hear about the $600 million in a Swiss bank account and stuff like that. Well, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, that's, it, it doesn't turn out quite that way, but, yep. but, but there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of truth to it. It needs, it needs to be explained. One thing with the Boone County commissioners, I, I want to, the, the thing about, I, I tried to this week, and I haven't been able to get there. Find out exactly what they're collecting in in uh, property taxes, and then it, I think it's going to be really hard to determine how much of it would come from a say. You could pick a three percent increase if it was people over sixty five. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to that uh, to see the order of magnitude. I just think it's not going to be that big. And uh, one of the things that occurs to me because I was quite, uh, I wasn't really. Uh, thrilled with the way they handled the equipment shares eight million dollar request for uh, tax abatement all of which came from the school and what i remember about it is they all like celebrated it it was automatic equipment share asked for it brian treese asked for it uh they almost had like a party and a celebration when they gave it to them Mm -hmm. and i think this uh this freeze of Property tax for senior citizens would be a fraction of that amount, and yet the resistance as heck to it. And I yeah, don't really fully understand. Yeah. That. yeah, and and I, you know, I appreciate the use of those incentives. That you and I probably differ on that, but but you know, I, I from an economic development standpoint, and, and as a business person, and then a politician, you know, and then back to being a business person, I, I sort of, you know, I appreciate the impact of these economic development incentives and what and what it does for our community. And and you know, you look at American Outdoor Brands, and you look at Aurora Dairy and you look at Swiss Meat Company, I mean, those have been some great additions to our community. Then you see the Homespun, Veterans United, Equipment Share, and Storage uh, Mart, Storage Trust, you know. And, you know, so, and a lot of those local players have never, like Veterans United has never asked for a penny, and neither has Storage Trust or MBS, any of these other big companies. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I, I understand the role that these incentives play. I don't understand why the county commission's worried about it because they don't get any of the money anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the lion's share of it is, is going to, uh, the schools and the libraries. And, and I would tell you, I mean, I just, you know, maybe I'm a curmudgeon, but 
I think our public schools and our library district is very well funded and they spend money like they're very well funded and the labor unions control both organizations now. And so it is, those are very well funded organizations and we are very lucky to have the quality or we should, the quality we're paying for, we don't always get, but. Uh, man, we are putting a lot of money into those public entities. Yeah, you're absolutely true. And I think most people, especially people who work there, they, they discipline themselves, for lack of a better word, by this budget that they create. And you constantly hear about, uh, we can't do this, or we can't do that, or, or poverty, or this is not going to happen. So the way they, they roll is by saying they don't have the money. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, uh, I, I saw, if you go to the school board's very big budget, you know, 280 pages, they've got a section in there where, they have a plan. They got to spend down. I think it's, I'm going to call it $8 million a year over the next five years out of that fund balance just because you just can't justify having that kind of money. Yeah. The city's doing the same thing. They spent down 10 million last year. But yet they go back yeah, yeah, time yeah. and time and time again asking for, you know, uh, new bond issues well, and so forth and, and renewal of bond issues. And, and, uh, you know, it's just like there's never enough. There's well, never enough. Just like these, uh, you know, Airbnb folks. I guess it's a little different. They do have to, it does seem they would have to level the playing field with, with hotels on the, uh, on that lodging tax. Yeah. But still, but once again, that's, that's a windfall coming their way. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and does anybody really follow in that money? You know what I mean? So it's it probably not, but you know, look, I, I think you can, uh, you can take a look at the way our, our public entities are spending money. Look, we have a new auditor for the first time in 20, eight years uh in in the county and so what does the new auditor uh think about um uh these reserve funds as as anybody talked to him no that'd be that'd be a good question i think i think it's probably not i think you're better off talking to uh you know county commissioners right now as the county building is let me just tell you this when i was a county commissioner the auditor ran the county well just so you know that's where i was going though (laughs) yeah she still she still is i mean uh, she's back in there uh so you know June Pitchford was a tremendous asset. Yeah. Oh, a, 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 great a, public servant. Yes. Yeah. And so, trustworthy. Yes. So she retired. She ran things. Just, yes. Yeah. She retires. And, and now they got not only, you know, a new presiding commissioner, but a new auditor. And uh, all that experience went out the door. So they've hired. She's back on a contract basis. They renew her contract. In the treasurer's office, right? No, in the uh, uh, auditor's office. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's very. Yeah. Now, why hasn't that been reported? Um, probably because I'm the only person who knows it and it didn't yeah. rise to the level of news to me. Yeah. If I was at a newspaper, it'd be a brief somewhere. Well, that would yeah. give me confidence knowing that she's still involved. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, and she'd be the one to go ask because she's the one who could tell you. But I guess what I, what made me think of it was, uh, Kyle, who's getting a baptism by fire in there. You know, they, they, they lost staff and mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Reeman, the, the new auditor, they lost, uh, the staff and they turned over staff. And it's, so it's been a really tough, uh, first year here. And, and fortunately, June's been willing to come back in and, and help them out. And hopefully they'll, they'll get that strained out. But you're to, back to your point. There is no question that the county's just, uh, really flush with, with cash right now. And, and so is the city. Yeah. Absolutely. And so is the school district. Absolutely. So quit asking for money. Put, put your hands back in your pockets. Yeah. You know? We're going to talk about that in the next segment. This is Fred Perry uh, visiting with Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of ComoBuzz.com, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z.com. It is your best source for uh, news uh, and uh, uh, analysis of what's happening. I mean, the Eagle's always been a great source for that, but but if you want long-form journalism, uh, ComoBuzz is where you're going to find it in Columbia. So check it out. This is Fred Perry. This is the CEO Roundtable. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle.
Welcome back to the third segment of uh, the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, your host. Uh, this weekend, we are visiting with Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. And the good news is, is that next weekend, we're going to be visiting with Mike Murphy, the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. Uh, and uh, we're, we're doing a two-part show here. And uh, there's just so many things uh, to get to. Like, we have gotten to two of the seven issues we plan to talk about uh, during this show. But um, one of the other issues that I'd, I'd like to sort of just uh, jump into real quick, and, and uh, it, the first announcement a couple weeks ago that the county had spent the first $11 million of its $35 million allocation of American rescue plan dollars and uh the largest recipient i believe was the center for urban agriculture we've had billy polanski on uh from that those folks but um i as you talk to some of the nonprofits in columbia they're kind of like going oh wow that was kind of an interesting uh thing to be the largest recipient uh in our community um but talk what what was your initial they got 1.5 million dollars for food security and capital uh what what was your initial impressions when you when you saw the list of recipients coming out? Uh, that it was the small folks that uh, the small nonprofits, the small awards. I didn't see anything in there. It was a surprise because I looked over the list. Um, people may be surprised when they when they see some of this. Uh, uh, I really wasn't. Uh, the I think that I was hoping, and I actually was led to believe that much more was going to be announced. They said it could be a couple weeks to a month before the rest. Uh, I think the real more interesting part to me. So the reason I don't find this particularly interesting is this is just a massive giveaway to nonprofits. I mean, if you, uh, if you were ever to uh, tell me five years ago, I guess, pre pandemic that the federal government was going to send 25 million to the city and 35 million to the county and say, get rid of this and, and, and what that would look like, you would never dream anything like that happening. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. So they're they're dealing it out. So we've, I'm not we've surprised. We've talked about it before, yeah. and and you know I, this is look this one in our lifetimes. This will never happen again. I hope uh, that the county just gets a windfall thirty five million, and the city gets a windfall twenty five million. Uh, these are transformational dollars, and you've seen some communities across the country and across the state of Missouri take these dollars and really do transformative projects you know what i mean they make a big dent in in affordable housing they make a big dent in in economic development uh but i think that what's sort of unfortunate is that you know we're, we're basically going to divide this 35 million dollars equally among 35 social service agencies and and that's not going to be effective you know what i mean that uh, look most of these social service agencies that are receiving funds they really don't have the best metrics or the best track record for proving how effective no. they are doing what they're doing. No. And you see that in our homeless population. You, you see that, uh, in the demand on our food bank. Um, and you see, you just see so many, uh, there's, there's the social service agencies in our community with some very important exceptions are largely ineffective in terms of the work that they're doing and in terms of changing the problem in terms of teaching a man to fish versus giving a man a fish. Uh, we just don't have that philosophy with these social service agencies. And so, you know, the big thing we haven't seen is our, is the county commission going to support their largest asset, Boone Hospital Center? Uh, and um, how much money have they already given or, or promised to give to this opportunity center, this big homeless shelter that's going to attract homeless people from all over the country to Columbia, Missouri. Um, what? How much money have they already well, promised? And, well, and is this all part of the public record? Well, it's not yet. It's it partially, as I suppose. That's one of the problems with the county is you know they have that commissioners meeting every Tuesday and Thursday, but a lot of work gets done in committee. The way, it, by my accounting, what's left uh, 
uh, to come up that wasn't on this, what I was looking forward to hear about our, our big decisions. I think that $3 million to the uh, homeless shelter has been pledged, but it's not part of the record. It's not formal yet. That's what will happen. That's what I'm waiting to happen. So how does these... that happen if it's not part of the, because the well, county commission is uh, only allowed to meet in uh, public. Well, that's a good question. And I, we both know the answer to that. And, and if I had three or four of me, I'd be pursuing that a lot harder. I've already had the door slammed on me in the county building. And I went stomping down to the county attorney's office to just to let them know that I'm not going to take it lightly when they, when they do this stuff. But the bottom line is, is you know that they're there every day and they're doing their work and, uh, it's pretty easy to not follow the letter of the law of the Open Meetings Act. And that happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. What about Boone Hospital? Are you well, surprised that that decision hasn't been made? Yeah, I am. I, well, I'm. I, I, yeah, I'd like to know if it has been made or not. And perhaps it has, but it hasn't been announced. So there's there's seven million to Boone Hospital. There's three million to the uh, homeless center and uh, the shelter. So and there's another ten million dollars left, and, or to fourteen dollars. And then there's five million to that. Uh, uh, oh, HUD. Yeah, uh, Columbia Housing Authority. Correct. Yeah, and then I think there's a multi-million dollar. I can't remember the number, but it's substantial to Boone Sewer, yeah. which would be a good place to put it. I agree. So that that's that, transform. It's not going away. Right, right. Yeah. So there's big money projects, none of which were on this first pass. Now I would, it would be hard to believe that they don't already know what's going to happen with those projects. I don't think they're deliberating those still, although they could be. I don't know that they're not. What was the difference between the county process and the city process? They're similar. Um, Did the the county appoint a committee to review these things? Yeah. Yeah. And do we know who was on that committee? Yeah. I can't tell you who it is. It's a small committee. But there's been a lot of criticism of the city for being so tight-lipped. The city did theirs in secret. The city did those. The city staff vetted all of the... The big difference was is the county took all of the materials and all of submissions and all of the backup paperwork that they wanted for the submissions, and they put it out there for the public to see, which would be, I think, typically across the country, how mm-hmm. you would do that. The city decided that they decided to call those some hide behind some kind of uh, request for proposal, sunshine law protection, and they kept those all secret. And they're secret to this day. We know who applied and how much they applied for, but we haven't seen any of the backup uh, paperwork. They also have a committee. I think the city's falling behind. I'm hearing that they're going to maybe take some... Uh, uh, some s- steps they didn't really want to take to maybe award the money to themselves and pass it out later, do some things to help them uh, uh, not lose this by not hitting the deadline. So they're really, they are at a point in their deliberations that the committee that was appointed from the public to uh, over oversee these is doing that. And I think they're only a couple of weeks away from perhaps announcing some awards. Also, yeah. I think I think they're just going to struggle. I think the county is going to finish up within a couple of weeks i don't think the city's going to finish up for a while yet yeah and this all has to be allocated by december of 2024 correct and yeah. then spent by 26 yeah well you know the the big winner was of course the columbia center for urban agriculture which got 1.5 million dollars the the low man on the totem pole was the city of sturgeon for fifty thousand dollars uh for their uh city park up there and uh ashland optimus club got fifty two thousand dollars so notable uh in their love inc one million yeah they're going to build a big building on the corner of walnut and college avenue there uh, thereabouts there to uh for a uh, homeless type service shelter for children the way i understand it there's a story in the missouri and i haven't looked into it much but there's a million to the love inc for a pretty big building project yeah. that's notable on there too and i gotta tell you love inc is the exception to the rule yeah that's love what columbia I they call it you know they're the ones that teach the man to fish yeah. or the woman to fish and uh they really uh 
pay very close attention to their metrics and their success. I, I think so too. Yeah. I think they're a, a worthy, a worthy uh, operation for yeah. sure. If you'd given all the money to Love Columbia, I think that would have been money well spent. I agree. You know? I agree. I agree. I think that all these nonprofits, they're, they're good people doing good work and doing the best they can, but the type of expertise, accountability, accounting in no general. Accountability. No accountability. Uh, no metrics. No success ex- expectations. I mean, it's really, yeah. it's it's pretty sad. I'm right. pretty sour about uh, social service agencies um, in our community, unfortunately. Um, and that's not a very popular thing to say. I understand that, but it's just it's just reality. Um Police Chief uh, Jeff Jones has resigned. Uh, you've been kind of hard on the police chief uh, over the the last uh, year or so. Uh, what what are your thoughts about his departure and uh, his his replacement, and what the search process is going to look like? I'm sad to see him go. I think he's probably, if you were to do a uh, job description for the perfect person to come in, uh, if I were to write the job description, I think it'd, it'd look a lot like he is. He's 47 years old in the prime of his career. He's knows the city inside and out. He's from here. I think he's extremely popular here, frankly. Uh, I think it's a darn near criminal shame that they ran him off, and they're all denying that that happened, but that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to turn out... We're either going get, to get really lucky, which I just can't imagine happening, uh, or we're going to regret that this is this is what came to pass. I just kind of feel regrettable about it. I think it's a shame. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Mary Ratliff, the longtime president of the, the NAACP here in... Um, uh, mid-missouri uh was a big fan of jeff jones and and it's not very often that you see the naacp uh be a fan of the of a local police chief um and the, the only people who weren't fans other than you know isolated incidents are uh Roy love lady well the city pe- council people the people who want uh reform of the police department that believe that our police department needs to be reformed yeah. like harshly reformed change like major significant changes in approach that, and what is their basis for that a nationwide type uh thought process it has nothing that, really to do with our local no no uh, i yeah. i agree all the time our poor men get our men and women around the force get caught up in it no it's just a way of policing that the old-fashioned militarized after the fact uh aggressive policing in their view doesn't work and we should be uh uh pay more attention to uh uh how to make people's lives better so they don't commit crime mm-hmm. and i'm not ridiculing that i'm not I, I think there's validity to the thought process and it should be part of the discussion but i don't think most people in columbia believe that we need major overhaul reform of our police department we could probably head in a little bit better direction be in, uh, implementing community policing a little bit faster but jeff jones has been strapped with you know he had covid he's got no staff or he's you know he's yeah. 25 officers down you can put some of that on him if you want but the fact of the matter is I just the bottom line was that there were three city council members that did not like Jeff Jones that felt like they lumped him in with uh, uh, the name of the police officer and, and Daryl uh, in uh, uh, Minneapolis. I can't remember his last yeah, name, but yeah. but they they lumped him in with that and uh, they just sort of uh, painted with a very broad stroke. And then we had three other city council members that didn't have the backbone to support Jeff Jones, well, and so. You know, it, it was a no-win situation for our police chief. So you have here's just how I see it. His boss, his bosses. Okay, so he's got a really difficult job. Well, he's really got one boss. That's exactly right. Yeah. So he's he, so he's got so the city manager is his boss, and it, that the boss of that is the city council, 
And he would argue he's not saying that he didn't feel supported. But we had the incident outside Harpo's. We had the mindless uh, comments made by the, the mayor and the city manager and other city council members. We had the uh, local uh, police officers association stand up, put their hands up, were outraged, said they weren't getting support, made a whole bunch of noise. And then a couple weeks later, the police chief resigns. Yeah. And, of course, now they always say none of it's interconnected. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I, I hope that Roy Lovelady and uh, uh, Andrea Wayner and Barbara Buffalo and probably Nick Foster, I hope that when they see how bad things can really be in Columbia, Missouri, uh, that they publicly express their regret for the way they treated Jeff Jones. Well, Andrea Wayner already has. So, yeah, uh, I don't think the mayor's ever going to. She continues to uh, act like, you know, nothing was done wrong. What I think we should, you know, we're going through this uh, process of hiring a new chief and engaging the public and all that. But at the end of the day, what's largely misunderstood, the city council is not involved in the hiring of this police chief. And you could say, oh, yeah, they must be there. No, they are not. This falls directly to the city manager. This is 100%. And he likes Jeff Jones. He is he, sorry to see he, Jeff Jones go. Well, he should have done a better job to keep him. Well, you know, uh, Mike Mathis lost his job as city manager at Columbia because he liked the police chief, Daryl Burton. Mm-hmm. Um, is that his name, Daryl? Kenneth. Burton? Mm-hmm. Kenneth Burton. Um, and so, you know, uh, that's what happens. Mike Murphy, we're out of town. Mike Murphy, ComoBuzz.com. Thanks for joining us this week. We're going to have you on again next week and, t- and, and tackle some more topics here, uh, including uh, your thoughts on some of our major public entities. All of that and more coming up next weekend on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry, and you've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city, and I love it. Yeah, I love it.